Well, several things. Um, thankful that we got Brother Justin Bushy and his family with us, missionary family. We've been kind of advertising them for a little bit now. And so he's going to present here in just a few moments, all right? So that's how we're going to kick off the service. A couple quick things. We don't have Miss Joanne today, all right? So you know what that means? Sing out nice and loud, all right? We had a few of those this past uh, fall, but you know, the Lord blessed us and gave us some sweet services while we miss her. We're just going to trust the Lord today to, uh, to be worshiped, to be glorified through it. And I uh, thank you for JL for, for uh, taking care of this and, and as well as others. Uh, but here I'm going to pray here in just a moment, and our brother uh, Justin Bushy will come up here, and he's going to present first, and then after he presents, then we'll stand, we'll worship the Lord this morning, and uh, just see what the Lord has for us. But a couple quick things today. Uh, first off, today, right after service, all right, if you're a visitor, or if you're not a visitor, and you normally shake my hand, here it is, all right, I got a quick meeting right after, all right, if you're going on the men's prayer advance, by the way, that's this week, men's prayer advance attendees, all right, uh, meet right after, just right down here, somewhere in this area, We'll meet for just a couple quick minutes just to go over everything because we'll be heading out Thursday, and so we want to kind of get your schedule and, and itinerary and all that good stuff down. Uh, then this evening, uh, we will be having service at 6.30, and so keep that in mind. Hope that you can make it out for that. And then this morning, of course, according to the bulletin here, I've already said it, but Brother Justin Bush will be here. He's gonna, he taught Sunday school already, did a fine job. Thank you for that. I love getting to sit and hear someone else preach the Word of God. It is wonderful. You might not feel that way about me when I do it. That's okay. I love to hear another man of God preach the Word. It should stir our hearts, fill our hearts. It doesn't matter how simple, complex, deep, wide, or high. The Word of God is the Word of God, and it is inspiring. So thank you, brother, for that lesson this morning, and looking forward to you presenting about what God has called you to do. Uh, then as well, uh, Thursday, the 26th, at this coming Thursday at 10 o'clock, the seniors are meeting uh, here at church, 10, and they're going to have some fun fellowship games, soups, and grilled cheeses, and uh, bring some desserts to share, all right? Men's Prayer Advance attendees, we might stay for that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we'll eat and go. No. Uh, we're next Sunday, the 29th, we're going to be having the Lord's Supper, and so that'll be next Sunday morning. So please keep that in mind. Uh, make plans to come. It will be a little bit longer of a service, uh, but just make, make plans for that. There is a, is a sweet time in the life of the church. Then as well, Sunday, February the 12th, uh, 6.30, that's going to be our second Sunday surprise. You want to know what the second Sunday surprise is? Show up the second Sunday and you'll be surprised, all right? Amen? You'll be all right. Uh, then Sunday, February 26th, uh, that morning we're going to have one of our missionaries with us. He's on furlough, and uh, he's going to be coming here to uh, let us know how things are going in, in the Philippines, uh, Brother uh, Manny Alvarez, and so be looking forward to that. It did get moved. I'm sure you noticed he was going to be here with us on the 5th. That got moved until... Later that month, he had some different scheduling conflicts, all right? But either way, we're going to get him here, and we're thankful for it. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. And after I pray, Brother Justin, you come, and uh, you share with us what the Lord's called you to do. And so uh, it is a privilege. It is a privilege to have missionaries with us anytime we have missionaries. To think as well this, all right? We walk by that mission board every time we leave and enter into this place, don't we? Some of y'all might come in through the front door, so you don't have to do that. I don't know. But it ought to inspire us that God calls anybody and everybody to the anybodies and everybodies to get them the gospel. And that there is no amount of money that you and I should go and say, well, that's enough giving there. All the more reason why when we see that there are souls dying and going to hell, that we should love missionaries, pray for missionaries, give for missionaries, and that we should understand that every dollar we've got anyways don't belong to us. It belongs to God. And that we should remember that God is the God of every second of your life. Perhaps our great problem is that we don't view Him as such. 
I ain't going to preach yet. i got about four hours of preaching this morning. Let's pray, and then Brother Justin's going to come. Lord, we come to you. We just want to thank you. We praise you, God, that we can have a missionary with us this morning. Thank you that he's ready to come and share his heart. Thank you for his family. Lord, what a joy it is to see a family that's dedicated to your service, dedicated to your word. Uh, Lord, that they're united together in Christ. And Lord, that they're training up their children. And Lord, thank you for our families, Lord, here who are doing the same. God, what a blessing it is to see young children and families sitting together in pews. Lord, I love the mess. I love the noises of them. Lord, I, I love the fact that they're here. God, may, may, we be, may we be grateful that we have that, Lord. That shows what you're doing here, that you're growing and you're building your church piece by piece, uh, block by block, soul by soul, heart by heart, home by home. May we never be, may we never be just ungrateful for it. May we never be surprised by the things that you desire to do or can do, God. But all the more may we be by faith, trusting you and watching you work. Lord, we thank you for the sweet spirit that you've been given to us. Thank you for the testimonies that we've had. Thank you for the praises that we've had, for the, just the great things that you're going to do today, God. We trust you that you'll be worshipped, that you'll be glorified, that you're going to move amongst us, Lord, that you're going to save sinners, Lord, today. I don't see why you wouldn't want to do that today, God. You're a God who desires to do so. We pray that you would do that today. We pray that if there's one who's just grown cold or, or weary or tired or just apathetic in the Christian walk or, Lord, is just... Just coasting along, God, I pray that you would shake us up today through your word, that it would be your Holy Spirit that would go forth and would uh, apply your word to, to hearts and lives today. God, we thank you today for meeting with us. We thank you for your presence. And Lord, we pray that you would lead, guide, and direct us today. And Lord, that as everything would be said, done, sung, spoken, preached, every ounce of fellowship that we've got today, Lord, that it would be done to your glory, to your name. Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all make Brother Justin welcome as he makes that long walk up here. I'm going to get him this microphone. All right, brother, it's all yours. I should have come closer. <laughs> well, good morning. It's good to be here with you. Uh, it's good to, uh, that the Lord is so good to us. Uh, I just want to take just a few minutes. I'll tell you who we are, what we're doing, and how the Lord's uh, working through us. We are the Bushy family, my wonderful wife back there, uh, beautiful wife. I make sure I say all the right words. I don't want to be in the doghouse. Um, going on 15 years of marriage, we've, uh, we've had seven children. Uh, we have six here with us today. One is already in glory, Brianna, and we look forward to seeing her again in glory soon and very soon. Uh, I don't know when the Lord's coming back, but I'm sure ready for him to come back. Uh, but then the other children, our other children here today is Bentley, Bella, Bronx, Blaze, Boaz, and Brightland. And so we've got all the killer bees. Uh, and so uh, someone gave us that nickname, and I've just stuck with it ever since. But we are grateful to be here with you today. Um, we are missionaries serving with Rock of Ages uh, Ministries, sent out of Calvary Baptist Church in Union Grove, North Carolina. Uh, head on 77. You'll be there in about 35 minutes or so, maybe 40 minutes, just depending on how fast you drive or how slow you drive. But anyways, um, uh, our pastor, Stephen Pope, and we are grateful to be here with you. Thank you, Pastor Joe, for having us today. Thank you. Um, Folks, for being so good to us and so kind to us. We've enjoyed it already. I enjoyed the Sunday school hour. Um, I don't know if you enjoyed me, but I enjoyed the Sunday school hour. And I'm grateful to be here. Uh, family's grateful to be here. The kids that have, um, I'm, I'm sure I'll hear more about Sunday school here in a little bit after the service. They absolutely love it. But let me tell you, give you a, a quick question, and then I'm going to respond with a question. And the question that most of the time we get is, why prisons? And I respond back with the same thing that as Jesus would respond so often, he responded with a question with a question. And if it was your mom, if it's your dad, your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your friend, your neighbor, would you not want somebody going and giving them the gospel? Because honestly and truthfully, let's just be honest for a minute, most of you today, I'm going to go back in prison this week. 
Most of you today will not go in prison with me. I could pay you and you still wouldn't go in prison with me. Folks, it's not for everyone. But God's called us and God's called our family to go reach those behind the prison walls. And God's given me a testimony. I, I don't know that I'll give you much of it this morning. But just want to give you a couple quick facts. Did you know that America is the number one incarcerated place in the world? 2.3 million people behind bars right now. Folks, that's sober. We have the most liberty and most freedom of every place in the world. Yet we have more people behind bars. I'm telling you, two and two is not making four to me on that. Um, something I found very interesting is an average of 12 people die in a prison cell every single day. How many of them have heard a clear presentation of the gospel? I don't know. You don't know either. God knows. But what could we do to make sure that we do know? And so needless to say, uh, one other thing that just really blew my mind, and just right up the road here, probably an hour up the road actually, I sat down with an individual that works for the DA's office here in the state of Virginia, and he explained something to me. I had read that 77% of all people that are incarcerated, when they're released, they'll go right back into prison. He said, Justin, your numbers are off. I said, I said, I said how high am I over? He said, you're not high, you're actually low. He said, it's 85%. 85%. And he's speaking on the state of Virginia. Now, I'm sure that's probably a federal level too. But needless to say, there is a great need here in America. So we got involved. And you say, how do you get involved? Well, 11 years ago, I got asked to go into a prison. And I said the same thing that you all would say to me. No. I smiled about it. And I said, I ain't going. You know what kind of people are in there? I ain't going there. God began to work on my heart over the course of a few months. And I went in for the very first time. Wasn't called to be a preacher. I just went in there to give a testimony. Because each and every one of us has that. We all possess that as born-again Christians. If you're born again, that is in here today. And even if you're not, you still have a testimony. Testimony is you need to get saved. But needless to say, I went in there and gave a testimony. I was scared to death. It was a minimum security prison down in Wilkesboro, if any of you all are familiar with Wilkesboro, North Carolina. I still go in that prison to this very day. I've been going there for 11 years. And so uh, anyways, went in for the very first time. Scared the life out of me. But I got up there nervous as I'll get out. Gave my testimony sat down. But while I was there, the Holy Spirit began to respond to my heart and begin to really work in my heart. And you know what I didn't see anymore? I didn't see the murderer. I didn't see the rapist. I didn't see the thief. You know what I seen? I seen souls. Dear friend, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9 is still true to this very day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what that means? It doesn't matter the color of their skin. You know what that means? It doesn't matter if they're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if they committed, uh, if they lied and that's how they got locked up or if they murdered a family and that's how they got locked up. Christ wants all to be saved. God didn't send Jesus to the cross for one of us, but for all of us. Yet we have to accept Him. And so the Lord began to work on our heart and began to use us. I went from uh, going in for the very first time. God called me to preach a year and a half later and started to preach in the prison, and I, was, I got up to going in every other week. Uh, from there, the Lord allowed us, uh, me to lead our um, prison ministry at our church, and so I was a prison ministry director for about seven years. Um, I had one-third of the church going in actively, and I was excited about that. And so our church was, wasn't big at the time. It's grown since then, but we praise the Lord for that. Uh, but then from there, in March of 2019, I started taking inmates from the prison to the church. And while we had a bus route going to get kids, we were going to go get inmates. 
we'd load them up in the car, and they'd have a big smile on their face because they were leaving the prison, and they were coming to church. And then we'd take them back, and they had a big frown on their face because they were going back to prison. <laughs> uh, that's kind of jokingly, but no, they were excited because we were coming, we're coming every week. We are getting some guys out and bringing them. And the Lord uh, worked on our heart in November 2019. We've been praying, God, what would you have us to do? Where would you have us? Because we felt the leading, but we didn't know where God was leading us to. And we didn't know exactly what ministry. We were involved in a lot of different ministries. And in in November 2019, we were driving back home uh, from from the Wilkes prison there and going back to the house. And as we were riding down the house, the Holy Spirit uh, put something upon my heart. And he used Matthew chapter number 25, verses 35 and 36. He said, For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was a thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. And that may not mean a whole lot to you, but get, dear friend, you've got to understand that Jesus said, I was these people. Verse number 40. He says, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. I could go through, and we don't have the time this morning, but I could go through, and I've got Scripture written down. I can show you every place that Jesus was these individuals. As he walked the earth, he said, when Jesus doesn't understand, oh, Jesus understands. He's walked in your shoes, dear friend. He knows where you're at today. You say, well, he, that's why he's a friend that's thickest closer than a brother. And so, needless to say, I can tell you today that they don't need another program. Now, programs are good if a person's already saved. That's what discipleship is. In a, in a sense, it's kind of like a program. And that's one thing that we'll be doing. We'll be doing discipleship, and we're serving, we're serving North Carolina and Tennessee actively right now. And I'll tell you where we're going here in a minute, but... I heard Adrian Rogers say it this way, and I've quoted this so many times. He said, nature forms us, sin deforms us, schools inform us, prisons reform us, the world conforms us, but Jesus Christ transforms us. And what they need is a transformation. They don't need a new program. Repeat after me. We don't need no more of that, dear friends. We need the Word of God, the Holy Spirit to respond to the, to the heart, and for them to respond to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit to convict the heart and them to respond and so needless to say, um, God has burdened our hearts and convicted us. And my wife actively serves with me. She doesn't get to go in very often. Obviously, we have a big family. So she has to attend. Her first ministries are our family. And she has to be there with the children and take care of them. That's first and foremost. Uh, friends, my heart and soul is for the adult men. And I explain this. My wife goes in with the, to the ladies. But I say this because Acts chapter number 16 is where I, where, where I stand so strongly. I taught on Zacchaeus this morning. I believe Zacchaeus' family was whole saved. But I believe the Philippian jailer, because the scripture tells us in uh, chapter 16, verse 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be shaped in thy house. I believe if we win daddy back, we can win this nation back. Folks, Satan started ever since the beginning of Genesis chapter number 3 where he destroyed the family. And ever since that very day, he's still seeking to destroy the family. If he takes daddy out of it, he's destroyed the family. If daddy's not there, and I believe with all my heart, if we can get these men to come to know Jesus, I believe we can see our families change. I believe we can see our nation change. I believe a lot of things can take place. You say, Brother Justin, some of the men are always be in prison. They will be. But guess what they can do? They can still have an impact on their family. They can send out a letter. They can make a phone call. They can tell them. And you know what? Family members begin to say this. I'll give you a quick testimony and I'll be done. I'm not even going to give you my testimony. Give you an inmate's testimony real quick. I was at Wilkesboro many years ago and I had a man stand up. I said, anybody got a testimony? Man stood up and he said, I do, Brother Justin. He stood up and he said, I'm glad I'm in prison. Well, that just stopped everything. Glad I'm in prison. I said, go ahead, brother. Tell us what, why are you glad you're in prison. He said, I'm saved. I got saved in prison. Well, that's testimony by itself. He wasn't done. He said, my wife and daughter come up here every single week. He said, they come up here every single Saturday and come see me. He said, one Saturday, he said, my daughter said to me, 
She said, Daddy, there's something different about you. She goes, you're not the same man you used to be. He said, honey, he said, I received Christ. She said, Daddy, I want to receive Jesus too. He got to lead his nine-year-old daughter at old rickety, run-down picnic table up on the hillside. Got to lead his daughter to Christ. Dear friends, the gospel still works. I don't care what position you're in or where you're going to. The gospel still works. You know the reason it's not working today? Because we're not giving it. Shame on us. But I ask you to do three things for me today. Number one, I want you to pray for us. Everything on that table is absolutely free. You take it with you. You use it. Everything's got the gospel in it. You pray for us. I covet your prayers. I mean that. Prison's not what it used to be. There's no codes. There's no rules. In a sense of the, the inmates, they do whatever they want. You know, there is still officers and things of that nature. We're reaching not only the inmate, but we're reaching the officer as well. I want to say that. But pray for us. But also, if God would have you partner with us, I wish I could tell you everything was free in life, but it ain't. Y'all know that. Y'all know we're the time that we live in. But thirdly, I want to say this. Participate. Get involved. We'd love to have you. I'd love to take you in. I guarantee you I can break stereotypes as soon as we walk through those gates. Because you've got a certain thing you're thinking, this is how it's going to be, and I promise it won't. But I promise you one thing you will. You'll never forget when that door slams behind you for the very first time. You don't have the keys. You can't let yourself out. But I thank you so much for allowing us this time here today. Uh, and it is good to be here with you. I'm looking forward to the preaching. And I'm really excited about the service today. So thank you, Brother Joe. Amen. We appreciate that ministry presentation. Very well done. And uh, good morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And please stand. We'll start our worshiping song here today. And uh, we're going to make a joyful noise. That's all required, man. Okay? Joyful noise. That means you've got to utter some sound through these lungs and through your vocal cords and out your mouth where the Lord can hear you. And we can hear one another to glorify Him. That's what it's all about, to glorify Him and honor Him. Our first song is Saved, Saved. Hymn number 500. The Bible tells us in Titus 3, 5, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost saved. I found a friend who is all to me. His love is ever true. I love to tell how he lifted me. And what His grace can do for you. Saved by His power divine. Saved to new life sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete. For I'm saved, saved, saved. He saved. sin and harm 
secures my soul each day. I'm leaning strong on his mighty arm. I know he'll guide me all the Life now is sweet and my joy is complete for I'm saved, saved, saved. When poor and needy and all alone, in love he said to song now we all practice up we're gonna do better on this second one amen (laughs) amen the comforter has come thank god for the comforter hymn number 386 john 14 16 tells us and i will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever and these are all the words of jesus he said i pray the father he sends you another comforter and the comforter has come. Amen. Oh, spread the tidings round, wherever man is found, wherever human hearts and human woes abound. Let every Christian tongue proclaim the joyful sound, the comforter has come. The Comforter has come, the Comforter has come, the Holy Ghost from heaven, the Father's promise given. Oh, spread the tidings round, wherever man is found, the Comforter has come. Lo, the great King of kings, with healing in his wings, to every captive soul a full deliverance brings. And through the vacant sails the song of triumph rings, the comforter has come. The comforter has come, the comforter has come, the Holy Ghost from heaven, the Father's promise given. Oh, spread the tidings round, wherever man is found, the comforter has come. Oh, bound 
this love divine, how shall this tongue of mine to wandering mortals tell the matchless grace divine that I, a child of hell, should in his image shine? The Comforter has come. The Comforter has come. The Comforter has come. The Holy Ghost from heaven, the Father's promise given. Oh, spread the tidings round, wherever man is found, the Comforter has come. Amen. Thank God for the Comforter. Amen. Psalm 12, 6 tells us the words, plural, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Now that's pure. And this next song, hymn number 88, More Precious Than Silver, Our Lord. <clears throat> All right, got to change gears here now. Here's a <laughs> new song. Y'all help me get that started. I've lost the beginning notes here. Lord, you are... More precious than silver, Lord, you are more costly than gold, Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds, and nothing I desire compares with you. Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you compares with you nothing I desire nothing I desire compares with you amen now we're going to have a little greeting time you may stay where you're at or you may get up move around shake hands smile pat somebody on the back and if appropriate a good spiritual hug be good too. Praise the Lord. Let's have our little greeting time now. I'm glad I'm here today.
Okay, look like everybody's about made the rounds here, so as you see fit, you may be seated. And we now have some special music by Mr. Tony Hicks. Uh, we always appreciate him. He has a style of his own, and I always look forward to hearing him sing. So for God's honor and glory, Brother Tony, you come on and sing. Well, good morning. How many, how many of you is happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, I got, uh, got encouraged by the brother coming and representing his ministry, and the Lord put on my heart, whether uh, in prison or an outstanding citizen, without Christ, their fate is the same, is it not? How many of you believe that Christ died on the cross to ransom you to a holy and righteous God and saved you from the wrath of God? How about we live like it? Change it someday for a crown. 
tell my trophies at last I lay down for I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown to the old rugged cross I will ever be true it's shame and reproach gladly bear To my home far away Where his glory forever I'll be So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down exchange it someday for a crown for I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown blessing that was and what a message in that song tell you what it humbles me to hear that praise the Lord for it would you bow with me and pray with me let's go to the Lord in prayer Father we thank you Lord for this day thank you Lord that we was able to Lord due to the weather come out to your house and worship you gather together assemble together around your word with our brothers and sisters in Christ, the family of God. We thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege and honor to sing for your honor and your glory. We thank you, Lord, for the testimonies to give here today and for each song that's sung and uh, the message in each song. Lord, help us always to cling to the old rugged cross, Lord. And, Lord, help us to, Lord, be a, a witness and a testimony for you for your honor and your glory and tell others about Jesus. Lord, share a gospel track, share a testimony. Lord, share Jesus and help us to always do that. Lord, we pray, Lord, you continue to bless now in the service. Lord, uh, just help us, Lord, to, to sing. Lord, to make a joyful noise and be, Lord, uh, honor and, and be a blessing and glorify you because you deserve it, Lord. You are worthy. And, Lord, we just ask, Lord, you bless the speaker today and uh, help him, Lord, to preach your word, give him strength, and, Lord, help him to, Lord, share what you have from your word through him to us today. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, if you're able, please stand.
And our last song here will be Worthy of Worship, hymn number 153. Revelation 4:11 tells us, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Don't never let anybody tell you that uh, he didn't create all things because the word of God says, for thou hast created all things. And he is worthy of our worship and praise. Worthy of worship, worthy of praise, worthy of honor and glory. songs we can sing, worthy of all of the offerings we bring, you are worthy, Father, Creator, you are worthy, Savior, Sustainer, you are worthy, worthy and praise worthy of reverence worthy of fear worthy of love and devotion worthy of bowing and bending of knees worthy of all this and added to these, you are worthy, Father, Creator, you are worthy, Savior, Sustainer, you are worthy, worthy and wonderful, worthy of worship and praise. Almighty Father, Master and Lord, King of all kings and Redeemer, Wonderful Counselor, Comforter, Friend, Savior and Source of our life without him, you are worthy, Father, Creator, you are worthy, Savior, Sustainer, you are worthy, worthy and wonderful, worthy of worship and praise amen the people said amen praise the lord he is worthy you may be seated now for the preaching and the word of god amen grateful for the worship that we got to have this morning and uh, there's no better place on the planet right now to be than right here not because it's called Victory Baptist Church and you happen to go here, but because the Lord is here. God cares to meet with His people. 
He cares to give His presence. And I thank God that we've gotten to have a day that is Christ-focused. We have someone who is called by the Lord to go to prisons, to places that I don't want to go, that you don't want to go, to go to people that we don't want to even reach because we're far too prideful anyways. And to see souls saved, to hear about that cross this morning. The old rugged cross is often forgotten. Without that cross, every prisoner behind those bars would die and go to hell. Every soul in a church pew, no matter how good, no matter how well they dress, no matter how many times you've been baptized, would go to hell. Without the cross, we have nothing. May we never get to the place where the cross no longer causes us to have a fear, a humility, or even tremble at what Christ our Lord has done for us so that you would not have to go to hell. Take your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 99 this morning. Psalm 99. We're continuing this series, as you've seen in your bulletin, God is responding to God's revealing. past two weeks we have seen God revealing Himself to us the way that He always does, the way that He chooses to do so through His Word, through the power of His Holy Spirit, as His Spirit draws us to His Word, reveals Him through His Word, and applies His Word to our heart. And as we've talked about, our great issue today is not that God is not revealing Himself. The truth of the matter is that He has revealed Himself fully and finally and completely in His Word, and especially and specifically in the personal work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnate Word and the inspired Word. Our problem today is not a lack of revelation. Our problem today is a lack of response. We refuse to be humble. We refuse to have faith. We say we're saved by grace through faith, and we forget about grace and faith the rest of our life. But without grace and without faith, nothing in your Christian life will ever be applied. Every message could be the most practical thing you've ever heard, but unless your ears and your heart have been turned to see and respond by faith, then nothing will ever be applied and you will leave no different. And you will live no different. I'm not called by God to give us ideas about how to live more moral or more uh, feel-good or self-help sort of lives. The most practical thing that I can do for you is show you Christ as He has shown Himself to us. Unless seeing Jesus changes you, then nothing else that I have to say would ever make a difference. No program, as our brother talked about, no easy three-step process or five easy payments of $19.99 would ever change your walk. You must receive by grace, God reveals. And by faith, we respond. Psalm 99. The Lord reigneth. That's the sermon. It preaches itself. It exegetes itself. It applies itself. The Lord reigneth. Notice, the, notice how God reveals Himself to us in three words. Not the Lord reigned. Not the Lord is going to reign. But the Lord reigneth. It has no beginning. It has no ending. Right here, right now, today, it means the same as it did when this was written. 
But notice this. Notice verse 1. It is a back and forth of God revealing and then the response that there must be. The Lord reigneth. That's the revealing. How's the response to that? Let the people tremble. We know little of that. He sitteth between the cherubims. There's the revelation. Let the earth be moved. There's the response. The earth itself quakes at the presence of God. You and I are far too busy yawning, checking our watches, or being left uncaring or unconcerned about what and who God is and what that means in our life. The Lord is great in Zion, and He is high above all the people. Let them praise Thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. There's both the revelation and the response. This is who God is. This is what He is like. This is what He has done. This is what He is doing. This is what He's going to do. Now what will you do about that? Praise Thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. The King's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at His footstool. For He is holy. Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel among them that call upon his name. They called upon the Lord and he answered them. In verse 6, I don't find one perfect person. By the way, let's go ahead and get this out of the way. This is a two-parter. If you want verses 6 through 9, come back tonight. All right? He spake unto them in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and the ordinance that He gave them. Thou answerest them, O Lord our God, Thou wast a God that forgavest them, though Thou tookest vengeance of their inventions. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy hill. For the Lord our God is holy. God, we come to You. Lord, we're a needy people. I'm a man of unclean lips with no ability to bring this passage into the hearts of Your people. God, You alone can. So God, You must for Your name's sake and Your glory's sake. Lord, we trust You today to do a work in us and through us, amongst us, and Lord, on our behalf for us. God, I pray that Your Word, Your revealing would cause us to respond, that we would praise You. For Lord, You alone are sovereign and holy. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've talked about the past couple of weeks, God's grace reveals and faith responds. There is nothing in your life that is not by God's grace and by faith. It is not merely salvation. It is not even just sanctification. It is all moments of your life. The moment that we have this, this morning the very breath in your lungs right now, it is not because your body is functioning as it's supposed to, it's because God's grace is still there and available. 
Now, here today, God's grace is given every time the Word of God is opened and preached, proclaimed. That is God's grace that we have it today. It is undeserved that we have a copy of God's Word, of God's revealing, of a, a literal letter from God to us saying, this is who I am, this is what I'm like, this is what I've done, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm going to do, and now by faith today, it must be received. You and I must never put the cart before the horse. God's grace through faith. This is the Christian life. This is the life of the church. God always does the revealing, but oh, how little we do any responding. You say, well, I pray. I read my Bible. And I would say that is wonderful. However, anyone can do that in the flesh. And it'd be meaningless. In wood, hay, and stubble. I come to the altar. I've been baptized. I'm a church member. Even woe is me, I'm a pastor. Without God's revealing, we would not know God. Without His grace, we would not have the opportunity to respond, to know Him more. And as we've been seeing the past couple of weeks, the greatest need of our day is not more revelation, but to respond to what He has given already. God is... Watchman Nee once wrote, Revelation is the first step to holiness, and consecration is the second. A day must come in our lives as definite as the day of our conversion, when we give up all right to ourselves and submit to the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ. If I or Brother Justin had a dollar for every time we've heard somebody in the South from Virginia and below say, well, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. We'd have a lot. He wouldn't need to be coming here and asking for money, would he? He'd have plenty of dollars. So would I. I wouldn't be here. I'd be on, a, on an island somewhere. You'd, I'd be disappeared. You say, but isn't that a good thing that people say he's my Lord and Savior? Oh, it's, it's wonderful to have just a little bit of educational knowledge about who Jesus is. But the difference is their real faith in that. An atheist could read aloud the sentence... In all of his intellect, Jesus Christ is God, my Lord and Savior, and be no more saved than anyone else. We've got to understand that we're not talking about having a deeper educational knowledge of God. We've got books. We've got all sorts of things. We are filthy with a mental mind knowledge of God, and yet we remain unchanged because our heart refuses to believe and take God at His Word about who He is, what He's like, what He's done, what He's doing, what He's going to do. You might know it here, but to know it here makes all the difference. You don't know God's presence in your mind. You know it in your heart. It must not be something merely educationally known, but it must be experienced. And as we've talked about, we're not talking about emotionalism. We're talking about knowing and learning to be with God. Thus far, we have seen the past two weeks that God is unending, that He is unchanging, and that God is God. Today, we will see that God, according to Psalm 99, not from Pastor Joe, not from another book, not from anybody else, but from God Himself, that He is God, is sovereign and holy. Now, you and I love to say phrases when people are hurting or discouraged and say, well, you know, God's in control. 
That's nice to know that, isn't it? You and I say that to other people to encourage them. Why? Because we say God is in control. Well, that's nothing more than simply saying God is sovereign. We don't like that word near as much, do we? We're going to get into that in just a moment. You see, we like to be God... We like to be God in our flesh, and that's our problem. But we like God to be sovereign over what, he, what we want Him to be sovereign over. We like God to be in control when things are bad, but when things are good, we don't need Him to be so sovereign anymore because clearly I'm in control and doing something. We often think that God is just sovereign over the big time scale of human history. That He's, just, he's got the big events. God is sovereign over everything in between. We don't like God's absolute sovereignty because we don't like absolute surrender. The reason why we don't like to say God is sovereign is because we don't want to surrender to all of that in our life. We say, well, God is sovereign over this part and this part, but He's not sovereign over my bank account. He's not sovereign over gifts and talents. We say God is sovereign for other people's lives when the world is a mess, but not so much in mine. Do not think that one ounce or one second of suffering in your life has not passed through the sovereign hands of a God who loves you. God's sovereignty and holiness, while they might bring us to a place of reverential fear, they should bring us to a place where we trust Him and know Him. It should be upon these two things that we rest our head upon, that we stand upon, that our confidence is found upon. Because if God is not sovereign and God is not holy, and I'm in a mess, not just now, but forever. Not to think if something bad happens in your life or in the life of this world, to think, well, God's not sovereign over that. God is sovereign. Because if He ain't, He ain't. And if He is, He is. Notice, Psalm 99 begins, The Lord reigneth. He does not give a timetable of the who's and the what's and the when's and the why's and the where's and the how's. It just says the Lord reigns because that's the simple truth of God's sovereignty. He reigns. To think that in God's sovereignty, this is how He reigns, by the way, that from generation to generation to generation, the Gospel would come to you. We like saying phrases, you know, there that night I got saved at that revival meeting, it was the right song, the right message, the right preacher, the right pew. Why was it the right one? Because you just feel that it was? Or is it because God is sovereign? Because He's sovereign. And notice this, God reveals Himself. I'm sovereign. There must be a response to it. And the response must never be a visceral Well, you know, but, God is sovereign yet, but. Because now what I'm doing is God is saying, this is who I am, and we're saying, yeah, but I like you to be this way. God calls that idolatry. God calls that blasphemy. You can disagree with Pastor Joe, you can disagree with plenty of other folks, and that's fine, but we cannot disagree with God, and God clearly says, this is who I am. God's sovereignty demands my submission. Nothing less will do. I, I, I can't stand, and I don't know that God can either, 
The amount of times that we go, well, you know, I just got to get more serious. I just got to get this, or I just got to do this, or I got to be better, I got to do this. No, God is not looking for you to do any other action except surrender. God can do much more with open hands, surrendered hands, lifted up to Him than you could do with hands full of every tool that you've got in your tool belt. Moody put it this way. Give God your life. He can do more with it than you can. But we don't like that either because we believe that we are sovereign much more or as equal to as God. God's sovereignty Himself, even the very thought of it, means that He must know all, be present in all times, places, past, present, future. It must mean that He is powerful. But it also means that He's loving. That He's caring. That He knows your heart and He identifies with you in Christ Jesus. Now, we don't like God's holiness either. You know why? Because in our flesh dwells no good thing. We are unholy creatures. And when we start talking about living holy lives, we start saying, well, that sounds pretty pharisaical. No, it sounds pretty biblical is what it sounds like. We're not nearly as holy as we are thinking in our minds. We're not nearly as holy as we think we are, nor are we as holy as we ought to be. And you say, well, since I can't be as holy as God, therefore, it just doesn't matter as much on the grand scheme how holy I get. What does matter is that You know, I try my best. I have a safe bank account, a safe home, and my kids grow up to be good citizens. What matters more than anything is that they've seen that mom and dad lived holy lives before God. That they trusted Him to be sovereign over every penny, over every moment. That all of life is given to God because all of your life is given by God. We don't like God's holiness because... We don't like absolute humility. Matter of fact, you could even say we absolutely don't like humility. Our flesh loves pride. We love the glory. We love the honor that only God Himself deserves. God's holiness demands my humility. Nothing less will do. You say, well, I'm I'm humble. Well, prideful enough to say it, huh? Yet that's where most of us are. The greatest thing that you and I can ever do today is to see God for who He is and to surrender by faith to His sovereign will, to His holiness, because it is His sovereignty and His holiness that does not just merely separate us from from being like Him or coming to Him, but rather in His sovereignty and in His holiness He has slain His Son for you to draw you near. That is His sovereign, holy plan for your life. And God has a much greater plan for your life than you could ever come up with. And why we think different, I do not know. Real faith responds in surrender and humility. This is the Christian life. Nothing more, nothing less. And there is nothing more practical. There is nothing more difficult. Because everything in our flesh tells us that we are spiritual enough, that we are right enough, that we are holy enough, that we are godly enough, that we know enough, and we go, well, look at all of these Bible things that I know in my mind, and yet our hearts remain cold and indifferent. Our hearts no longer seek 
To be in the mere presence of God and let that be enough? Just let God be God? As we come to this place of this psalm, God's sovereignty and holiness will be both expressed, that's going to be this morning, tonight, experienced. There are three declarative breaks in the song. Verse 3, 5, and 9. Notice we find this sort of break for a response to God. Let them praise Thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. Exalt ye the Lord our God and worship in His footstool, for He is holy. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. God is to be praised for His holy sovereignty, not be argued with about it. God's sovereignty and holiness, however, do not remove man's responsibility. As a matter of fact, they are the reason for man's responsibility. God, in His holy and sovereign plan, has given us the free will to respond or not. That's God's sovereignty. We'll see it tonight. A God who isn't sovereign would not give man free will to to, to say yes to Him or not, to surrender or not. God desires you to be wholly surrendered to Him today. But His plan is still going to go on whether you do or not. As a matter of fact, when we read about verse 6, Moses sinned. Didn't go to the promised land. Got to see it. Didn't get to go in. Aaron sinned, didn't he? Matter of fact, I remember something about him helping to make some sort of idol. Y'all remember that? How about Samuel? Well, he had some failures too, didn't he? And yet, these men knew God and His sovereignty and His holiness expressed to them, but experienced. And the difference that will separate you, dear Christian, today from living the continued, meaningless, nothing, average Christian life where you are unaffected by the gospel anymore except for when you were first saved and now you're just kind of here. You know enough. You've done enough. You've had enough. You, you know what to do. And that, my friends, is our great problem. Because we've lost what it meant to get saved. And what it meant to get saved is that we had to get humbled. We had to get surrendered. We had to simply trust God for who He is. And what He has declared. God's sovereignty and man's responsibility are not enemies. They are friends. They don't need reconciling because they are friends. You have to reconcile enemies. God is sovereign. God is holy. And all of God's attributes and actions flow through His sovereignty and His holiness. Everything that God has done, past, present, and future, has already passed through His sovereign mind, will, plan, purpose, It has already passed through His holiness. You say, well, holiness may be just a part of what God is like. Holiness itself means set-apartness. There is only one individual that a song is sung about and two that is called holy, holy, holy. Angels sing it in Isaiah and Revelation and they've been singing it a lot longer than that and they'll keep on singing it a lot longer than that. It is His set-apartness. Now, why does His holiness matter? Because... His love is not like your love. It is a holy love. His judgment is not like our judgment, which judges falsely, judges based upon emotions, feelings, and even 
not having all the facts. God's justice, God's judgment, God's wrath, God's grace, God's everything passes through His sovereign, holy hand. That causes me to trust Him. That's the motivation for verses 3, 5, and 9. Unless I come to that realization about who God is, I can't praise Him, let alone praise Thy great and terrible name. I can't exalt Him and worship at His footstool unless I understand who He is and I surrender to it. Same in verse 9. He is not like us, and we are not like Him. Today we're going to see God's sovereignty and holiness expressed this morning. How much time do I got? We'll see. Verse number 1. The Lord reigneth. God's absolute right and might to rule is not explained nor defended only declared. You and I often try to do this theologically. We do theological gymnastics with stuff that we don't like or don't fully understand. We try to grapple and wrestle and do jumping jacks and hurdles and all sorts of things to try to figure out God. And we must simply just look at what God says about God. The Lord reigneth. That's enough for me. The Lord reigneth. It needs not to be defended. God's holiness does not need a defense, neither does a sovereignty. As a matter of fact, what it needs is surrender because now I can freely trust Him because He is sovereign. I can trust Him every moment of my life. I can trust Him when I've got no money, no friends. I can trust Him when there's death and despair. I can trust Him when you turn against me or I sin. I can trust Him no matter where I am or where I go because that's who He is. And I can trust Him to be faithful because He is holy. Because I can't trust myself to be holy, let alone faithful. These two things do not cause me to despair or to cause me to do theological gymnastics, but rather to simply go, thank you, Jesus, that this is who you are. If He's not these things, shut the doors, go find something else to do that's better than this. But there is nothing better, is there? Why? Because the Lord reigneth. Psalm 93 tells us this. I'm going to turn to all these pages because we just ain't got all that time now. <coughs> the Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. We talked about that last week, didn't we? Majesty, what is that? It is that He is King. And if He's King, I'm not. He rules, which means I don't. He rules, we drool. That's it. <laughs> He's clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength. I'm clothed in flesh that fails. I'm clothed in clothes that get sweat stains from preaching and hollering at y'all. We are clothed in temporary sinful flesh. Wherewith he hath girded himself with those things. The word, the world rather, also is established that it cannot be moved. How about Psalm 97, verse 1, just back a couple of chapters? It says and starts off once more with, The Lord reigneth. That's enough. Let the earth rejoice. That's the response. There's the revelation. There's the response. 
Let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. I mean, let everything be glad. When I said earlier, and, and I'm going to tell on y'all. Y'all ready? Is that okay? Earlier when I said God is sovereign and holy, here's what y'all did. Why? It should make us glad. Nothing will be more practical in your Christian life when you suffer than to know that He is in control. Not merely an educationally know. Well, you know, I know God knows. God does not just know, He cares. And He is with you in the midst of every fiery trial. Because He's sovereign. And nothing less than that. Furthermore, all that God does is done by His sovereign, holy choice. And I can rest in that. I don't know why He saved me, do you? Do you know why He saved you? Because He chose to send Christ, and Christ chose to say, I'll go. And Christ died in our place, and the Spirit drew you, convicted you, and applied the Word of God to your heart. God's grace is that. God's sovereign choice is simple. It's His grace. It's His grace revealed. How is it applied now? By responding by faith. That's it. Psalm 115 tells us this. Psalm 115, verse number 3. But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. Everything that God does pleases Him, by the way. Everything that I do does not please me, let alone please God. My great hope is this. I know I can't please me all the time. I can't please my wife all the time. I can't please you all the time. I can't please God all the time. But everything that God does, past, present, future, is pleasing to His sight. That means even in my suffering, it pleases God. Why? So that I might know Him. You go read Ezekiel, and you know what you're going to find all throughout Ezekiel? You're going to find a whole lot of judgment. You're going to say, well, what are you telling me to read Ezekiel for? Because all throughout God giving Ezekiel this judgment, He says that they may know Me. That's God's desire. That we may know Him. Psalm 135 tells us this. Verse number 6. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did He in heaven. And we say, well, of course, in heaven, preacher, I... I'm no heretic. And in earth, in the seas, in all the deep places. Do you think your life is included somewhere in that geographical location? Yes. All the more reason to trust God with every part of your life. If God knows the depth of the oceans and He holds it in His hand, don't you think that God knows your heart? Don't you think He knows about your burdens? Don't you think that He's sovereign over your suffering? Don't you think that He cares in the midst of all of the struggle in this life? Of course He does. And what we find in this, the Lord reigneth, let His people tremble. 
the response to his rule is not just a trembling, but a faithful trembling. The demons tremble, but it does them no good. But for those of us who will tremble and they then exalt the Lord, it does all the good in the world. It will do your heart good to tremble before God in His presence and to glorify Him that He would even meet with you. Philippians 2.12 tells us this. This goes back all the time about our sanctifying process and it's absolutely right. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You will not fear and tremble in your sanctification process, meaning the rest of your saved life, until you come to that place where you can rest and surrender in God alone. Until that day, until that place of absolute surrender, you will be unsettled, you will be unsure, you will be unable to truly be used of God as you could be. Because God can do much more with those surrendered hands and surrendered hearts and surrendered eyes and surrendered ears and surrendered bank account and surrendered cars, surrendered job, a surrendered home. That's what we need today. John Walvard, who is an expert, of course, with end times, but it is wonderful this theological addresses, he says, this attitude of complete submission and complete trust is of course the key to working out our own salvation and fear and trembling and is the mark of a truly spiritual Christian. Your spiritual condition is not based upon how many times you've read the Bible, not how many devotionals you read, how many times you are in church. Your spiritual condition is determined on whether or not you are submitted to Christ in all things, through all things, for all things. Whether you are by faith trusting Him or merely knowing what you're supposed to do. Our problem is that we remain unsurrendered in all things. Notice His sovereign presence. He sitteth between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. We're not talking about little babies on clouds with cute little fluffy clouds and cute little fluffy wings and a cute little fluffy golden halo playing a a cute little fluffy golden harp. Y'all ever seen the descriptions of cherubs? The very word itself is that of flaming ones. Fire. Holiness. There's God's sovereignty. There's God's holiness. But where is this between the cherubs? It refers to, and this is beautiful, the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. Situated between two covering cherubs. This is where the blood was sprinkled every year on the Day of Atonement. But praise God, it don't need it sprinkled no more. Jesus Christ died. The perfect Lamb of God. The sovereign, holy Lamb of God. And He died for sins of which He never committed He died for every wrong I've ever done, every wicked thought that I've ever had, that you've ever had. Why would He do so? Because He's sovereign and holy. And because He's sovereign and holy, He loves you still and desires to save you. The only way that you'll ever be saved is if you understand that His grace is being revealed at the cross of Christ and you respond by faith. Outside of that, you will remain lost and undone in your sins. God's presence and acceptance affects everything. It says, let the earth be moved. Psalm 68 tells us about this. 
You ever thought about the presence of God? We think the presence of God means that we get tinglies on the back of our neck or that we feel good. Sometimes the presence of God means some trembling hands. Trembling lips that can't even speak a prayer to the Lord. But you know He's with you, and that's enough. Psalm 68, 8 tells us this. Y'all still with me? The earth shook. The heavens also dropped at the presence of God. If the heavens and the earth do such, I wonder what we would do in His presence. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God. Even the point where if you go and you read that account, that Israel said, Moses, you talk to us because we won't live when he does. God had said, don't even let them touch them out lest I come upon them. We think we can walk flippantly into his presence. And we think that we can continue to take his presence for granted or to think it's just a part of church or a part of the Christian life or a part of our home or a part of our devotions. It is everything. You take away the presence of God, we've got nothing. But the wonderful truth about His presence is that He remains sovereign and holy in it. And it does not merely send us away cowering and trembling. No. No. Nothing is as intimidating. But nothing is as inviting as the presence of a sovereign, holy God. And the way in which you and I have been invited into His presence is through Jesus Christ. By grace He was given. By faith He must be received. This is not just for your salvation, but every moment of your life. Christ alone is the way. The Lord is great in Zion. And He is high above all the people. This is a reference to His holy, sovereign rule of Jerusalem. It means the city of peace. One day, dear friend, Jesus Christ, the righteous, the holy, the sovereign of God, will step foot back upon this earth. He will not rule from the White House. He will rule from the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem. His place, His people, forever and forever. His kingdom shall know no end. Why? Because He is sovereign and He is holy. Though there will be rebellions, God will not be thwarted. His plans will not be moved or shaken. His hands will never tremble. He will never grow tired or weary. That future restoration and reigning is coming. His holiness shows that He is high above all the people. Now, this is not calling us to live a life where we are melancholy, but calling us to live a life that we know who God is and we know who we are and our place is not on the same step as He is. But that now, as lowly and beggarly as we are, may enter in and walk up to the throne room of grace, to the very throne itself, and speak to our Heavenly Father because now we have been bought by the blood of His Son. If you're not surrendered, you can't do such. You don't have the freedom. It leaves you wanting. Verse 3. Y'all still with me? We're almost there. Verse 3 is responding to God's revealing. Let them praise thy great, terrible name. 
terrible you might think when someone has a baby and they name their kid who knows what. I'm not even going to say a baby's name because it would be my luck there's a baby out there named that. And I ain't going to do that. And you and I go, who would name their kid? That's a terrible name. Don't we say that? We won't say it to mom and dad. We say it to our wife and we snicker about it. And go, whew, whew. What does it mean, terrible? It is awe-inspiring. It brings thunder and lightnings. It is a heaviness and a weight to the name of God. Because His name, it is who He is. He is God. He is sovereign holy. Because God is sovereign holy alone, He is to be praised alone. His name expresses His character. All that He is and does is done out of His sovereignty and His holiness. Every act of His graciousness, every act of His wrath, every act of His love is done through His holiness and sovereignty. And we can rejoice in that. Matter of fact, we're told to rejoice in that. If you can't rejoice in that today, you're missing out on who God is. Truly is. When we speak of something, of God's sovereignty and holiness, things that make us at the beginning of a sermon go, ought to make us now rejoice that I can trust Him and that He would even use me. Even me. That's God's sovereignty and holiness. He doesn't look for perfect people to use. If that's the case, it would only be Jesus. But instead, He takes His perfect Son, Jesus, and uses His life through the life of imperfect individuals. That's God's sovereignty. That's your free will. That's God's grace. That's faith. It's together, not apart. Holiness is the beauty of all His attributes, actions that set Him apart. Who is like our God? The King's strength also loveth judgment. He loves it. Why? Because He always does it sovereignly and holy. It's never wrong. It's never unjust. It's never unfair. It's always good. He says He does establish equity Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. In His sovereignty, He expresses His holiness. And in His holiness, He expresses His sovereignty. Justice is given. All in God's sovereign and holy plan is just and good. There is no injustice with God. Can that which is made say to the one that made Him is unjust? Can we, the clay, speak back to the potter, why have you made me thus? The answer is no. And the reason why we don't like that is because we have a heart unsurrendered. Maybe not in whole, but in part. Part of our Christian life gets surrendered to God. God doesn't want part. Did God just save part of you? All of you. He said, what about my body? That's the beauty of the rapture of the church, my friend. That the dead in Christ shall rise and we shall be changed to put on immortality in corruption. 
Furthermore, He establishes what is right and wrong, fair and unfair. We don't. Thank God we don't. All that He is and does is righteous. Verse 5, and we're done. Y'all believe me? Exalt ye the Lord our God. Notice this, He is not just the providential Lord who is sovereign, but He is the sovereign personal God. Our God. We belong to Him. He belongs to us. That's enough to go to sleep at night on, isn't it? That's enough to go to work over. That's enough to raise your kids over. To love your wife over. That's enough to serve God over. That's who He is. And worship at His footstool, for He is holy. He is to be exalted. As a matter of fact, we can never exalt Him high enough. We can never outpraise God. We can never outgive God. We can never overpray. Why? Because all of those things do one simple thing. They are all to be done by faith. What is faith? It is trust, surrender, dependence upon God. It's simple, isn't it? And for us in our flesh, it's too simple. Our fleshly minds don't want to simply trust God. Now that Spirit of God within you, dear believer, says, only trust Him. Only trust Him now. Our greatest need is to see God and to be humbled by it. To respond by faith. What is this footstool? There are several things. First Chronicles 28 tells us that His footstool was described as the Ark of the Covenant. The mercy seat itself was His footstool. Y'all know what a footstool is? Prop your feet up on it. You can rest on it. Why can God rest His feet? Isn't He awful busy? He is. But He's sovereign as He does it. Because He's known every moment before He even said, let there be light. That's why I trust Him. He says that His footstool in Lamentations 2, verse 1, is even the city itself, Jerusalem. God cares about that place and we ought to as well. How about this? Isaiah 66, verse 1. Even the earth is His footstool. Notice His footstool gets a little bit bigger and bigger every time. Why is that? Because we serve a God who is infinitely big. We serve a God who doesn't need a footstool to rest because He's tired, but rather He can rest because He knows He is in control no matter what we do. This means this afternoon you can kick your feet up on your footstool and trust that no matter what this world brings, no matter what tomorrow holds, no matter what this evening holds, no matter even how you feel, God's good. He's in control. And if He ain't worried about it, I probably ought not either. As we bring this to a close, I'm probably saying, are you sure? Yes. There's a beautiful hymn that has been translated. It was uh, written in the 1500s, 1600s in Germany. I don't speak German, so I'm not going to give that to you today. I'm going to give you the translated version. It's not sung an awful lot, probably because it would make a lot of us still feel awfully uncomfortable and make us go, instead of... The hymn is this, Whate'er my God ordains is right. 
I want to give you the first and the last verse. Whate'er my God ordains is right. His holy will abideth. I will be still whate'er he doth and follow where he guideth. He is my God. Though dark my road, he holds me that I shall not fall. Wherefore to him I leave it all. Whate'er my God ordains is right. Here shall my stand be taken. Though sorrow, need, or death be mine, yet I am not forsaken. My Father's care is round me there. He holds me that I shall not fall. And so to Him I leave it all. Let me ask you, have you left it all to a God who can handle it all? Or have you left some to a God who wants it all, deserves it all? We've sung about it today. We've talked about it today. But what are we going to do about it today? Will you trust? Cammie's going to come and, and play and we're going to sing. As we do so, what part of your life right now is left unsurrendered to a God who deserves it all? What part of your life right now are you worried about that God's worried about? He's not worried, dear friend. How about what part of our life right now is an affront to God's holiness? Do you know today that your unbelief and my unbelief says to God that He's not in control and that He's not holy enough to take care of it? Today, may we respond to God's revealing and exalt Him who is sovereign and holy in our life who cares about every moment. And today, God cares much more about this moment than we could ever know. What will we do with it? Let's all stand this morning. We're going to sing hymn number 488. This altar's open. If you have a need today, would you come? Hymn number 488. Just as I am.